the only thing that I always ask is just give me feedback. If they say, send me everything that you have. I'm going to send you three. Give me feedback. Drive by the buildings. Tell me if you like it or not. The buyers that give me feedback, that it automatically sends a signal to any agent that says, well, there's motivation in here. Welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. In this episode, we have Alejandro Gonzalez. He's a full-time multifamily broker with Marcus and Milicek. We will also talk about all you need to know on how to hire a professional broker. We will also discuss the current trends in multifamily business, more specifically to Miami and South Florida. Plus, Alejandro will share some great tips on how to better evaluate an area if you don't have the resources to do it on your own. And stay tuned until the end. We will talk on how we can transition from being an investor to working into multifamilies as a broker. All this and much more up next. Real estate investing is changing, but there are people evolving and thriving. In this podcast, we'll listen to their stories and hopefully learn from them. I am dedicated to creating a life where I could create multiple passive income and doing something I love along the way. To me, the most important part is doing significant work and create great relationships along the way. For those that want to invest in passive income multifamilies, email me at abio.com. My name is Abel Ballesteros. I am a real estate investor and entrepreneur, and I want to help you live the real estate life. Welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. Today on the show, I have Alejandro Gonzalez. He is a full-time multifamily broker with Marcus and Milichat. He is an expert in the business of buying and selling multifamilies in South Florida, specifically in Miami. Uh, we, you know, we have done transactions together in multifamilies and the reason why I wanted to bring Alejandro to the show is because the way he conducted himself in the transactions, he was a professional, uh, he understood the business, he was very age educated in his sub-market and in multifamilies. So he had the perspective of a seller and a buyer and he knew, he knew how to maneuver the transaction and made it happen on multiple deals. So when I saw that, I go, I got to have him on my show. Alejandro has sold over 140 million uh, multifamilies in sales, has sold over 1,700 units since 2013. He is part of a team of Marcus and Minichap that has $6 billion in commercial sales. I mean, the reputation of Marcus and Minichap is well known. Alejandro, welcome to the show. Hi, Abiel. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, Alejandro, um, I would like the listeners to get a little bit of background on on who you are and how you got started into real estate and, and uh, give them a little bit of feedback how, how all this happened. Absolutely. Uh, well, I'm, I'm from Venezuela. I moved in 2008 to the United States. Prior to moving to the States, I, was, I started the, my real estate um, career with my dad. We were developing with landowners. We still own land in Venezuela, in Valencia. And we started developing our own land, uh, doing the master plans. So we started developing uh, small single-family communities and uh, small garden-style apartment buildings. In 2008, I moved here, went to Gainesville. I learned English uh, for about a year. And then I applied for the Master of Science in Real Estate at UF. And then I came down here in 2011. and. Uh, it was presented to me the opportunity to start as a real estate agent in Marcus and Millichap. And I've been at the firm since then. 
And what, I mean, Marcus and Minichat does all, uh, all types of different commercial types of property. I know that that's their focus, retail, office, multifamilies, and so on. But why did you choose specifically multifamilies as your path? And the reason why I ask that, because you, I've taken so many different paths in my real estate career. You know, I went from flipping houses when I was 20, 24 years old. Then I went into a traditional realtor. I did the... I did the first time home buyers showing them their single family homes. Mm. And then I gradually went from just working with investors on flips. And now I'm full blown multifamily investor. How, how come you skipped all this? How did you go straight into multifamily? How'd you figure it out so fast? Well, first on the commercial side, because the commercial would be multifamily, uh, retail, hospitality, or single tenant, uh, and industrial. Um, I, part of it was doing the masters in real estate. I, it was 100% focused on the commercial side and the capital market side. So I came with that background from from the masters. And when I um, had the opportunity with Marcus and Milichap, you interview. So the process is you interview with multiple agents. You're an agent candidate when you start, but you don't know a product type per se. I didn't have any. I didn't have any opinion to one or the other. I knew how to underwrite any single property type, and I had a good relationship and I had a good um, first understanding with Felipe that ended up being my mentor. And he specializes in multifamily, so you ended up when with the agent that or your mentor that you get paired with that's kind of the product type that you're doing you also like if somebody but they don't obligate you to to do any product type you can choose but i was very open-minded at that time and the only thing that i that i will share with you is like i didn't want to go into residential like i couldn't i cannot i keep prompts to the people because i cannot yeah. understand losing a transaction because somebody didn't like a kitchen or something like that it's the commercial side it is very difficult it's almost i believe it's probably the same thing you, you run into the same issues on the residential side but at least it's a little bit more objective with because you're selling a number you're selling a business and you're selling a return yeah yeah exactly so that, that's why the only thing that i knew is like not residential like yeah. it was Australian straight commercial, and that's pretty much yeah uh, it, it, how it, I ended up. Yeah, you mentioned something that reminds me. And I remember I used to sell when I used to show houses. I would, I would, I would have a list of seven houses to show a family, and I, I would show the the first two really excited because I knew they were the best deals. They were below market. They were those were the right properties, and I would show them excited. And they go, "No, we want to see five, six more properties." I'm like, hold on, those are the two best ones right now. You're going to get a steal there. And then by the time I got back to that property, it was gone. So it, it was frustrating on the residential side. But I, I do get it. Uh, you know, multifamily in the commercial business, you're dealing with people that it's a number-based business. If the numbers make sense, the deal probably makes sense. So I, I understand that, that state of mind. So, so that's how slowly but surely you, you started going into and you mentioned something about mentors and having a mentor I, I i they're not easy to find 
So you, you've been now with Felipe now for quite a few years. Uh, is that correct? Yes. I, first of all, I started as a mentee working for him. Uh, and I did it for a little bit over a year. And just learning the process, I wasn't even, my English was, I wasn't fluent. Like I, I we came to grad school, but it's just practice. So it took me a little longer, but it was great because I really learned the business just working and assisting him and drafting contracts, getting all the due diligence when we go under contract, following up the transaction and everything. So when I roll into as an agent in 2013, it was, I mean, I knew exactly what I needed to do. It's just a matter of, you know, get exposure. Uh, into transactions and that's critical I am it is it is critical for a new agent to have somebody uh, to seek support or somebody that shows you what you need to do not everybody is a good mentor but it is a very so your future depends a lot on the kind of mentor that you have i was i am being blessed to have felipe and now to be part of the crystal group which is evan and brandon we have uh, uh, juniors agents as well and nick mcandrew and ray katina that they work in also with us and happily and, and very thankful to be the, the part of the number one team in, in South Florida for so, Marcus and Melitone. I want to mention something that I that a lot of buyers take for granted when they're when they're gonna interact for the first time or they want to jump into the market and buy a, a multifamily and 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 I say this because I've been in your side and I know what it is to go after a lead and follow up and stay in front of a property or a seller for years you know that relationship that you know that cold call that relationship that follow-up that underwriting all those hours of basically free underwriting that you do a lot for these clients to be able to at one point sell their property that that type of work that goes into getting a listing or getting a, a property so when a buyer decides that they are going to engage with a, with a professional broker, a lot of them don't know about all this that goes behind the scene and all the work that goes into it. And they just assume like, hey, I just want to make an offer on that property. No, it doesn't work like that. So give, give the listeners that are interested in engaging with a, 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 a broker or engaging with you, Alejandro, what do they need to be prepared and ready to not waste your time and to for them to really have an idea what it what it really takes to get a property from you, uh, and kind of walk them through that process and what they should be doing and not not doing. I'll put it to you in this way: when I, I, I when you carry inventory, obviously you start like getting the calls from from buyers. I I started like I make very simple. I make them very like simple questions it will be and as simple as hey how many units are you looking for and 
what specific geographic area are you interested in? Because most of the people say Miami, but I was like, okay, can you tell me a little bit more? Because Miami, do you want to be in Miami Beach or do you want to be in Living City? Um, so, and now I started to see, I, I never going to say no to work with anyone, but I also started like going through a series of questions to see how ready they are. And make be I will start making recommendations. Uh, the one thing that I uh, almost is a pit bit of that I have is when the buyers say, uh, just send me a deal that makes sense. It's like, you're telling me that you don't know what you're looking for. Or you're looking for a low-hanging fruit that is an absolutely impossible to find in Miami Day nowadays. Uh, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, yes. So it's just a few questions. I'll give you an example. Uh, now I've been working with a few uh, buyers from California. When they, when you actually now listen, I have, and, and they share with you, it's not an issue. They, it's a matter of like establishing a good report. It was like, listen, Alejandro, I'm on a 1031 exchange. I have $1.5 million. I am under contract. I'm closing in two weeks. Immediately, I know, okay, this guy is real. And he's serious. And he, there is a need. So you have to, um, you know, in my end, I will like separate which is probable or which are the real buyers. But it just be very granular for buyers to know what they're looking for because they can get lost. And, and uh, yeah, I've been there. I've been that buyer. I've been that buyer that has done that. Um, and I think that the word that I always preach, and it's a word that I constantly repeat to myself is clarity. Like you need to have complete clarity of what you want. What product do I want? What market do I want to be in? What type of financing? How much capital can I count on? That type of clarity is what makes your life easier and will actually speed up the process. Um, and buyers go through that all the time. I change, I change my clarity all the time. Uh, but let me tell you, when, when I actually did find it and I knew exactly what that was, all the noise went away and I would just focus, laser focus on the exact product that we wanted. And I could talk to a broker like you and say, I want this specific product. What do you have? And, and if I and don't it, have it, please send it to me when you do have it. And, and that sticks with you because you keep it like, I, I know this group is ready to buy this if I got that product. And that's kind of what absolutely. you Absolutely. And so when you start that relationship, I don't expect much at the beginning. The only thing that I always ask is just give me feedback. They say, send me everything that you have. It's like, well, I have 50 listings, not all of them with my team uh, and I. So not all of them are going to feed. So please, I'm going to send you a couple. Okay, you want between 10 and 20 units. Perfect. I'm going to send you three. Give me feedback. Drive by the buildings. Tell me if you like it or not. So the ones, the buyers that give me feedback, that it automatically sends a signal to any agent that says, well, there's motivation here. It might take a year. In fact, I can tell you stories. That I, I found I closed on a transaction with a buyer that it took us almost three years to find a property. Yeah, yeah. But I never could tell you because I knew it was just a matter of time. And, and nowadays, the market, how it is, with such a lack of inventory, 
is it's just a matter of stay focused on what you're looking and just be patient. There's plenty of people with multiple, like millions of dollars in a bank account, not being able to find the inventory that they're they're looking for. Yeah, yeah, you have to be patient. This is a patient business, but you also have to be um, consistent and aggressive, constantly be constantly looking. And sometimes as a buyer, that we we don't have the access to inventory, or we just haven't done the legwork that you've done on the cold calling and the follow up and the prospecting because we're out there raising money, we're getting properties, we're we're monitoring operations, so it's it's a team effort. Without without a good broker uh, on your team, we won't be able to get the deals that we get. Um, I I want to start with um, all right. So I, I I'm ready to sell my apartment building, Alejandro. And um, what do I need to look for to engage a good broker? Someone that that I know is going to hold my hand. It's it's going to underwrite my deal and put it accurately in the market. How do what what do you suggest I do? Put yourself in my shoes, and I'm looking for a broker to sell my asset. Um, be open, interview at least two or three, or even four. Um, ideally, will be brokers that you have a relationship, so you can actually know that will that will be looking for your own interests and not a full complete transactional they don't care about you at all they just want the paycheck so if you don't have that then you you have to interview three or four if you have two relationships see the ones that are well if if i put myself in the shoes i would like somebody that absolutely specializes in one product type only i agree agree, agree. i don't want anyone a jack of all trades. I don't want a guy that is like he's jumping around from like Broward County to Miami Dade and then like has a, a I don't know a listing in Polk County. Um, I that will be first. Also, that's on the broker side. Like, just don't be afraid and tell them like you're interviewing with multiple people. Yeah. Um, also, when you're ready to sell a property. Sometimes people think they're ready. They not really are. They might be getting like a bad month with a, a few tenants and they're like, you know, I'm throwing the towel. <laughs> but at the end of the day, where they, if they actually do their due diligence, my first question when somebody calls me or we're talking for multiple years and say, Henry, I think I'm ready. And I say, why? Why are you going to sell your building? Yeah. Uh, also, the number one issue that I've been seeing now with sellers that have owned the property for generations is capital gains. They have to, and as a broker, it is almost like one of the most uh, important questions to ask, have you checked with your account? I cannot tell you how many times you get to listing under contract and then oh let me check with my accountant because i have a figure in mind and then they want to cancel the transaction and they're not able to so yeah yeah the hits is too big it's it's shocking to them uh and yeah and and it's scary because it, it from the rumors i'm hearing they're trying to remove the the 1031 exchange in the next couple of years so we're not going to get into that subject but that would be a, a game changer for the business also um yeah <laughs> yeah, those are the rumors. So, 
Alejandro, I want to go straight to um, to the trends that we're seeing in multifamilies. I, I know that um, I'm seeing them already. Uh, I, I do see the lack of inventory, um, but I also see, I'm also seeing opportunities. Um, I'm seeing opportunities on distressed assets, poorly managed assets. If, you're, if your asset was poorly managed or even averagely average managed, and COVID got you, you just went from average to poor. If you went from poor, you went to extremely poor, you're in trouble. Uh, it's just because of the stress, uh, you know, COVID is putting on tenants, delinquencies uh, on the business. What trends are you seeing now in 2021 and going forward in the multifamily business? First of all, I think we're really blessed to be on the multifamily sector. The multifamily has been among the few asset classes that are remain the most stable along with single tenant and industrial uh, the first the main concern going into covid and i remember very clearly vividly and let's go back 12 months literally 12 months march 16 everybody's like how are going to be collections uh, what are we gonna do? So everybody went went into a freeze moment for a few weeks, but then started to like just communicating with the tenants, start immediately communicating with tenants, start sending letters. I was just I was a uh, um uh, um just trying to communicate what I was hearing from one owner to another to just the flow of information I, I went from being a broker and trying to you know do transactions to absolutely being just there for our clients and ask them what are you doing i hear that this um the property owners start sending letters and they're actually helping to apply for ppp loans or any uh, any aid from the government so that was one of the trends at the beginning. Then we went for like two months of zero transaction. And after that, kind of everything started to came back slowly. Uh, the one thing that helped us uh, to remain stable and the prices to remain stable was uh, the capital markets. It was constant flow of capital from the lenders. That that literally what what helped uh, the multifamily sector. The banks never stopped lending. Even though multiple people thought about it or heard about it, I don't know why or how, the banks, they were there. They changed their requirements, yep. but they were always open to lend. Yeah, it, was, um, it became a little bit more difficult, you know, that reserve, that one year uh, reserve hold. Uh, was challenging. It, it bothered me at first, but the rates are so amazing that it, it's it's a no brainer. Uh, if if you lock down the rates that we're locking down now, with the inflation that's happening happening, it's getting debt right now. It's the smartest thing to do. Appropriate debt on the right asset, of course. Um, Alejandro, in your sub market, let's let's be specific. As you mentioned something earlier that you talk about. Um, going to a broker that's a professional and that it has their expertise in one specific product. And that's what you, I know that that's 
what you have in Miami, and I know your sub-markets very well. Um, in your sub-market in Miami, one of them is Little Havana, where I shared apartments uh, in that community. Do you see those Class C uh, buildings, the rents increasing? Or, uh, do you see Miami's rents uh, increasing, stabilizing? Uh, what, what trend are you seeing? So there's no, there's no one answer. Uh, I, what I would share with you that the different trends that I've been seeing is it 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 narrows you can you have to narrow it down to landlord specific. I I have experience and have stable relationships with landlords that owns let's say 1920s building, but they completely rehab those 1920s buildings in Little Havana with no parking, and they are able to remain 100% occupied. They're able to have top of the market rent, and they have a, a list of people that they, they uh, a list of tenants ready to rent one of their units. On the other side, I literally see the owner next door with a full rent sign and not being able to rent a unit for three months. It is absolutely amazing to see it, but it comes down. It, it so gentrification in Little Havana has has become so big that now it's just a matter of which landlord is offering the best unit. Yeah. It is so the rents are high. So now the the tenants are okay. Well, if I'm gonna pay this amount of rent. I might as well pay it to somebody that offered me a, a clean unit and, and a nice product. And so not true. necessarily like with parking or no parking because the no parking has been there since forever. It's the same thing as Miami Beach. But so Little Havana, I think it's more positive than negative. The rents are going to continue to uh, continue to move uh, on an upward trend. But also it, it is a product of the 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 amount of uh, improvement that a landlord puts on on his unit, I agree with you on the gentrification because I I went from seeing a certain tenant base in my properties, and within the last year, my tenant base has changed. It, it's younger, a younger uh, hipster crowd coming in, if you want to call it, which I didn't see before in in Little Havana. Um, there's a ton of Airbnb going on that I think is attracting certain tenants to say, you know what, I, I think I can live in this little sub-market here. They come, they visit, they get a good deal for for holidays, and then they decide that, okay, this is a spot where I'm going to stay. Because I do see a lot of Airbnb going on there in there. Because um, of the location. Correct. Yeah, because of the location. You see, you see the different changes. And I, I drive, even though I'm, um, I'm based in Fort Lauderdale, I cover Miami-Dade. I'm in Miami-Dade, and I'm driving my markets two or three times a week. You see the changes, not only in the number of projects, you see what every time that you see a person running in that neighborhood, that it's a good time. Like the tenant is younger, the tenant takes care of their, you know, the, their, their fitness. And also it means like the area is safe. So when you actually see people jogging in a neighborhood, that means it's getting better. That's pretty cool. I never, absolutely. Thought, I never thought about that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it, it means that it's safe. That's awesome. That nobody is going to, like, you know, rob you. And 
the tenant is younger, as you're saying, and, and it's better tenant. They want to live in a clean environment. It's just, that is a well, good sign. It depends what type of running they're doing. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you see somebody running in overtime, that might be, uh, yeah, might yeah. be a different story. But. I get what you're saying. It, it's true. Um, I, used to, I used to use Starbucks as my, my underwriting tool. I would always look for properties around Starbucks because Starbucks already did all the, all the homework for me. Uh, that's a whole other podcast, but right. uh, sometimes um, if you don't have uh, the means to do too much underwriting, just follow where there's certain brands opening up, you know, Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts. If they're opening up a neighborhood, there's a good sign that, that there's something. Or even employers. Employers. Right. Employers. You have it like so Little Havana is the epicenter of everything in, in Alapata too because what, what do you have nearby? You have on the east side, you have the port. North. You have the, the hospital civic area where you have the Jackson Memorial, you have the UM hospital, you have the courthouse. To the to south, you have also um, Coconut Grove, and to the west, you have the airport. So you have major employers in all surrounding areas. So that is, yeah, I mean, yeah, what, what you need for multifamily. All the hospitality we have. Yeah, I agree. Correct. Now, um, let, let's 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 talk about what is the most difficult or transaction that always sticks with you that you know really give, really gave you an education on it. Tell me about the most difficult transaction you did and how did you resolve that problem? Uh, that way, you know, me or the listeners could learn from that and not make the same mistakes. Almost every every single transaction involves a credit. Yeah. Involves. Uh, some type of concession. I would say to you this: problems don't kill deals, surprises. So typically, when I most of the time I I'm, I'm a listing agent. I that's the way that that's the model of Marcus and Milichap is that the way that we do business. We focus uh, focus on getting the inventory, securing the inventory. So. Given what I just said, that surprises kill deals, you just need to get ahead and, and mitigate before it just pop up something like, listen, there's a, the roof needs to, change, to be changed. You need to get ahead. So I have to do due diligence ahead of time and a very good due diligence. And not panic it's it's difficult because every single buyer every single seller is different so they will react in different ways just try to make them see that it's not the end of the world if something happens if you're really going ahead like running out of time request an extension and the inspection and try to work with both sides i i will tell you when it gets difficult and gets to a point that you cannot do anything and when buyer or seller or both are not listening to the facts when you tell a seller listen your building with data inspection and your building has the plumbing like completely broken and he doesn't think and and he's not willing to go credit that is a major issue and it's something that I needs to we, be addressed i think me and you have had that same conversation you just said right now <laughs> it might have been in those same words, right? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, the transparency is important i i think um me that i participate as a seller in a few transactions and and as a buyer um that transparency when a broker is transparent and honest it just makes the deal so much better and and i'm not saying i i i i, I see this all the time on underwriting and marketing packages and brokers are experienced brokers will leave out so much information sometimes that I'm like, come on, why are you going to make me dig in so deep and hard when like, this is obvious information. So I agree with you. Transparency um, between the sellers and the buyers is it's hard sometimes because sometimes, you know, one is not that cooperative. So you got to try to mitigate that to make it work. So I, I understand what it goes into that. Um, Alejandro. So let, let's, what advice would you give a listener? Let's say a listener wants to transition from, being an investor and go into uh, working uh, as a broker and working with a team like the team that you have or getting a mentor, what advice would you give that, that listener uh, that wants to get into starting into multifamilies and, and being a broker? I mean, you're in a great, like, first of all, the multifamily, it's a great um, airspace to be with. So it's, it's uh, one of the, the product types that, potentially could give you or lead you to a paycheck the fast um, the main advice will be half enough savings for at least a year because it's difficult you're literally starting a business from scratch I I will tell you I started when I started and here in M&M the first three months were building my own database I drove street by street, avenue by avenue, and Little Havana took every single picture of all the properties. And then went and downloaded all the um, tax records, input it into my database, and researched every single owner. So it takes a while. But there's so many people that their turnover is very high because I think people said they're in their mind, even though in Marcus Tomalita would tell you exactly what you need to do. And if you follow it, you will succeed because I'm proof of it. And all of my agents and my mentors are proof of it. I think they set the wrong expectations and say, well, I'm going to give it a year. I'm going to give it a try. You just have enough savings for at least a year or just take a second job. I took a second job in, in my first year. I was delivering pizza. And, but, have the savings and just do the work and every story is different yeah i agree with you on the savings i, I in fact I, I like what you said a year because i i preach six months so you you're you're doubled what i say but six months in commercial might not be enough you're, you're right it transactions and commercials they do they could take long to close um so i agree with you on that i mean let's say let's say you day one you have database ready and then, so you're gonna start calling. And then let's say you got lucky and got a BOB on the first, in the first month and a half. The first month and a half, then it's gonna take another month to get listed. After you get listed, it's taken like a few more weeks to put it in the market. Then the marketing process is another 45 days. We're already past six months. So it, it takes time. Our sell cycle is long. That's true. That's very true. And so, uh, 
it's, um, I mean, be patient. You're starting something from scratch. The beginning, you said it's starting your own business. So not too many. If you, when you're starting your own business, it does take any type of business it does take a while to establish it. So that's a good way of putting it. Establish so the, the advice is you're opening up your own business. If you have that mentality, then you can understand that it could take up to a year before you see your first paycheck. So that that is. And really, you need to take it. Yeah, yeah. And and you need to take it seriously. It's it's literally like okay, this is my business, and have your own goals and follow follow that. Because if you want to do the the broker lifestyle, then that's different. You're gonna do one or two transactions a year, and and that's it. Our, we have a. I, I want to close it out with a with a question, uh, and it's a question I ask all my listeners, and it's and I always get different answers from every listener. And my question is, what does financial freedom mean to you, Alejandro? When, when you envision yourself financially free, what is it that you envision? Well, let's keep it in, in the multifamily um, area. Financial freedom for me will be owning 100 plus units free and clear. That's very important. Because from that same business and from that same cash flow, you can continue acquiring eight to 10 units every year from your own business. That will be, that will, to me, will be financial freedom owning a hundred plus units, free and clear. You're working on that goal? Yes. Yeah, okay, perfect. Alejandro, man, thank you for your time. I, I appreciate it. There was a lot of stuff that you dropped here that, um, that I actually refreshed my memory and they're good learning lessons. I hope the listeners, uh, got a lot from this from this podcast absolutely thank you thank you for listening to the real estate life podcast i hope you enjoyed this episode if you'd like to reach out to me please go to my website www.abiaseros.com